2 Timothy 4, or 2, 14 to 26. 2 Timothy 2, 14 is what we'll start. We'll go through verse 26. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this evening for the privilege to come before you boldly in Christ alone. We're thankful that we do have a solid foundation on which to stand. Not in our merit, but in Christ alone. We're thankful for the word of God that you have revealed truth to us. That we not, do not have to wonder. We can be sure of what you have said, of what you have expect of us, of who we are of what you've done for us in Christ. Even this evening, as we turn our attention to this passage, we pray that your spirit would work through the word for your glory in each and every one of us, Father. We pray that your will would be done, that your spirit would work, that you would mold us, that you would change us, that you would challenge us. We pray that you would give me boldness, authority to proclaim the truth of the word of God with clarity, Jew would be honored in this time. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you're like me or not, but sometimes it's difficult for me to keep focus. It seems that the most inopportune times that I lose focus, I don't mean to, it seems anytime I meet someone new, between the time they give me their name And the next time it's time for me to use that name, I forget it. I lose focus. They they give me their name, then I start thinking about what I'm going to say next. And I forget their name. I've also noticed it while driving, and there it gets dangerous. Have you ever been driving, and and you you get to a stoplight, and and you pull up, and you stop, and you think, I don't remember the last, I don't remember since high V to here, I don't know how I got here. My mind's just been wandering. I've been thinking through something. I've not been focused. And, and that's dangerous. The first example in, in conversation, that's just kind of embarrassing. But while driving, that, that can be dangerous. That's the thing about losing focus. Depending on where and how you lose focus, it can just be silly or it can be very dangerous. As we come to this passage This evening, we'll see diligent disciples and the danger of distraction. We'll work our way through this passage. We'll see, be diligent to teach, Paul says, and then avoid distraction. And then, be diligent to pursue righteousness and avoid distraction. And then, be diligent to confront error. Be diligent. Be focused. Last week, we ended in verse 14 that says, remind them, the them there is the faithful men of verse 2 of chapter 2, the faithful men who will, be, who will teach others also, remind them of these things. What Paul just focused on here in the beginning of chapter 2, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for us, the true doctrine, the true gospel, charging them, these men, exhorting them with authority before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, 
to the ruin of the hearers. Focus on what really matters. As Paul moves into verses 15 to 26, he takes that idea of focusing, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words of profit, and, and, and he extrapolates on that. He builds off of that. He starts in verse, 14, verse 15. Be diligent to teach. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. The word diligent is a word that we're familiar with. We use it often. It means to be zealous, to be especially conscientious. When I think of the word diligent or zealous, especially that definition, especially conscientious, last summer, the youth group went on a mission trip to Arizona. And when we get to Arizona, they're telling us about all these poisonous snakes and spiders and scorpions and all these things. You've got to be very careful where you go. And let me tell you, I was very careful where I went. I was especially conscientious with every single step that I took because I knew it could be my last step. It wasn't that big a deal. But, <laughs> but the way they made it sound, it was scary. And I hate spiders. I hate snakes. So I was especially conscientious. I was looking down, making sure where I was stepping. I wasn't stepping on something I didn't want to step on. Be diligent. Have that conscientiousness. Be aware of where you're going at all times. Be zealous to do what? To present yourself approved to God. Acceptable or holy. As Romans 12.1 says, 12.1 and 2. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. It is God's doing, but it is my responsibility. Sanctification is God's doing, but it's my responsibility. 2 Peter 1, I am called to add to my faith. And it ends in verse 10 with this, be diligent to confirm your calling and election. There's that word again, be diligent. Be sure, be, be especially conscientious that you are adding to your faith, that you are growing, that you are doing what God has called you to do, that you are presenting yourself approved to God. Philippians 2.12 uses very similar language. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Be careful. Be mindful. Be purposeful. Be especially conscientious. The idea in these passages is not that you can lose your salvation or that your salvation is up to you. The idea is be constantly checking yourself. Be honest with yourself. Am I growing? Am I active? Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in my life? Sanctification is God's doing, but it's my responsibility. I am the one who has to get up and open the Word of God in the morning. I am the one who has to get up and get dressed and come to church. I must be responsible to pursue the things that God has called me to pursue, to take advantage of 
all that God has given me. He's given me all that I need for life and godliness. Again, 2 Peter 1 tells us that. He gives an, an, an illustration of this. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. What does it look like to be diligent, to present yourself approved to God? It looks like a worker who has no need to be ashamed. A worker who at the end of the day clocks out with a clean conscience and goes home proud of the work that he has done. There's not one minute that he's ashamed of. He has been diligent. He has worked hard. He has made progress. To what end? What does this look like? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now here we have to back up. We have to remember the context. What, what Paul, who Paul is writing to. He's writing to Timothy. Who is Timothy? He's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So he's writing to a, a young pastor and he's saying, Timothy, be diligent to present yourself, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. What does that look like? It looks like rightly dividing the word of truth. It looks like proclaiming the truth of the word of God. This is Timothy's role in the spiritual development of the church that he is called to pastor. It is to rightly divide the word of truth. As deacons this year, the deacons and myself are working through the, church, the, through the book, The Thriving Church, by Dean Taylor, professor over at Faith. And just this last uh, month, um, Dave Fish took us through chapter 6. In chapter 6, Dean Taylor is dealing with uh, what is the pastor's role in a healthy church. And there's this quote from Ephesians, he's working out of Ephesians 4, and he says this, The pastor's primary role in growing the body of Christ is to teach and preach the word of God. And that's the same thing that we see here. Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. What does that look like, Paul? Does that mean I have to add new programs to the church? Does that mean I need to make sure that I go out every Thursday night and I'm, I'm, I'm passing out tracts and I'm, uh, I'm doing everything I can to fill the seats? No, it looks like rightly dividing the word of truth, Timothy. Preach the truth and preach only the truth. Be focused on that. Be diligent on that. But... Verse 16, avoid distraction, but shun profane and idle babblings. Shun, radically avoid. Krista calls me a picky eater. I like to say I'm not a picky eater, I'm a selective eater. I'm very careful about what I put in my body. <laughs> but one thing that I radically avoid is onions. They're strong. When I eat a burger, I don't want to taste an onion. I want to taste a burger. I just, I do not like the taste of onions. And so I shun them. I radically avoid them. I go out of my way to make sure that they are not in anything that I eat. The word shun is a radical response to do everything it takes to avoid to be as zealous in avoiding it as you are in diligent 
In verse 15, it's the exact opposite of diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, to rightly divide the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, those things that are worthless, that have no value whatsoever. For they will increase to more ungodliness. Idleness produces ungodliness. This is what we see in Philippians 4. What does Paul encourage the people there in Philippi to do? To pursue things that produce faith, not fear. Don't worry, but pray. Fill your mind with things that are good, things that are lovely, things that are pure. Not things that cause fear, not things that cause division. Not these profane and idle babblings. They increase. In fact, verse 17 goes on to graphically describe what this increase looks like. Their message will spread like cancer. Silent and yet deadly. And it must be dealt with. It must be cut off. Because it is dangerous. Paul gives example. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. They have strayed concerning the truth. We don't know what this started like. It may have started as a little conversation in a Bible study. It was just something that they couldn't let go, and they kept pushing at it, and they kept pushing. And eventually this profane and this idle babblings regarding the resurrection grew and grew and grew. And it increased to more ungodliness, and then it spread like a cancer, and it took over. To the point that Hymenaeus and Philetus have strayed concerning the truth. They're way out of bounds now. They say that the resurrection has already passed. And they go so far as to overthrow the faith of some. That's the danger of becoming distracted. almost picture Timothy as he's reading this thinking to himself man I know Hymenaeus I know Philetus I saw that happen and if those guys can be led astray and if they can lead so many astray so easily what hope is there verse 19 Be diligent to pursue righteousness. Nevertheless, even so, the solid foundation of God stands. Likely what this refers to, the solid foundation of God, is the church. It is built on the solid foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ himself being the cornerstone, Ephesians 2 tells us. Matthew 16, 18 tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail. And what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, Timothy, the gates of hell have not prevailed. And they will not prevail. Even in the face of such danger, the church will prevail. The gospel will go forth in power. It stands. And it has this seal. We 
We all know what, is a, what a seal is. It protects. It keeps. If you buy Anderson, Erickson milk, there's a seal on it. I hate that little seal. I don't know what it is about Iowa. South Carolina, we don't have seal on our milk. Seals on our milk. It's just we get it and we drink it. I hate that little seal. But it protects. It keeps. Back in this day, there was the seal where, where as you, someone important wrote a letter and they folded it up and they would put wax on that letter and then they would put their signet, their seal in that wax. And with the, that wax, with that signet in it, was a seal. And if that was delivered to the person, that seal would not be broken. If it was broken, you would know someone had gotten into that letter. It protected it. It kept it. So Paul says the, the, the solid foundation of God stands, Timothy. Be encouraged. In fact, there's this seal. He offers two things. The Lord knows those who are his. The first seal on the church, the first thing that protects it, that keeps it, is that it is Christ's church and Christ will preserve it. It's his. He will keep it. He will be faithful. And, another quote here, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Those who are Christ's will be evident by their works, by their perseverance, by their diligence to pursue righteousness. The church stands. Yes, it's dangerous. Yes, there's... there's Heresies all around. Yes, there's people trying to tear the church down, and yet, Timothy, the church stands. And it will stand, for it is Christ's, and he will keep it. And those who are Christ's will not be drawn away. For as he keeps the church, so he will keep them. He gives another example here in verses 20 to 21. He's building on that last idea. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Their, their, their diligence to pursue righteousness. And he gives this picture of a great house. In this great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. A couple of things to notice about this picture that he gives here. Notice that it's not the material that, the, that determines the honor or shame, it's the use. It's not all the gold things that are honorable and all the wood things that are dishonorable. It just says there's these things in the house. There's gold and there's silver, all the way down to wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. It's the use of the object that decides that. Take, for example, a bucket. You can have two identical buckets. One can carry waste out of the house, and one can carry water to keep the family alive. Or what about an arrow? One can be used to hunt, to provide food for the family. One can be used to murder. 
Or more modern example, a toothbrush. It can be used to keep your teeth clean, to keep you presentable, or it can be used to get those hard-to-get places in your toilet. There's one for honorable use and one for dishonorable use. But here's the idea. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from dishonorable use, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. In the analogy, it's those who cleanse themselves, who depart from iniquity, as he says in verse um, 19. Those who pursue righteousness, those who are diligent to present themselves, approved to God, those are the ones who God uses. Those are the ones who are vessels for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, set apart for a purpose. Notice that there's an action that Paul is calling Timothy to encourage people to take. It's not just, oh, you're dishonorable, I'm sorry. You just got to live with it. No. If that is you, then cleanse yourself from the latter. Get to work. Open the word of God. Go to church. Be faithful. Grow. God has given you all that you need. You don't have to stay there. Grow. Look what God has given you. You can be sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Ephesians 2.10, which God has prepared beforehand. So be diligent to pursue righteousness. Then, again, avoid distraction. Verse 22, flee. Notice the, the words that Paul uses when he's talking about avoiding these distractions. They're very vivid words. He uses the word shun in verse 16. Here, flee. Verse 23, avoid. Stay away. Far away. Flee youthful, youthful lusts. Don't allow those to distract you, to pull you down, to hold you down. Break free of those. Flee them. And instead, those thoughts, those distractions, those lusts that are there, flee from them. And instead, Fill your mind with things that cause you to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Avoid by filling that gap with something else, by getting to work. Verse 23, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. Foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. Paul must have had social media if he writes something like that. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. If that doesn't describe social media, I don't know what does. But avoid these things. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Don't allow yourself to be pulled down. To be pushed off track. Avoid distraction. And then verse 24 to 26. Again, be diligent. Be diligent to confront error. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel 
but be gentle to all. The word servant of the Lord, servant or slave, the context makes it clear that Paul here is talking specifically about pastors, those in teaching and preaching ministry. They must not quarrel. They must be gentle to all. They must be able to teach, as he said in verse 15. Rightly divide the word truth. They must be patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. In humility, correcting. Bold humility. That seems like an oxymoron. How can you be bold and yet humble? That's what we see here, though. In humility, correcting. Be bold, but humbly be bold. You see, you can be right. And you can correct someone, but you can be right in the wrong way. What Paul is saying here is, Timothy, be right rightly. Be right in the correct manner. Be right with the correct attitude and humility because it's not, you're not right because that's your opinion. You're right because you're standing on the word of God because you have rightly divided the word of God. That's where your humility comes from because you know that you are nothing. You know that it's this foundation on which you stand. And so be right, rightly. And humility, correct those who are in opposition. To the end, that they turn back to God from error. The goal here is not to win the argument, but to win the man. Don't apologize for the truth, but don't beat them with the truth either. In humility, correct those who are in opposition. They're clearly wrong. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. That they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. If you're right, but you're not humble, don't let them go on an error, but find someone else who is to take care of it. Because you're just going to cause strife. You're going to cause problems. Be right, rightly. Approach them with the right attitude that you want to see them restored. You want to see them changed. You want God to grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, not so that you can be proved right. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. We just sang... O church, arise to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. God, give us grace to love the captive soul. And in loving them, to at the same time, rage against the captor. Be diligent. Avoid distractions. In this passage, we see that diligent disciples grow in the Lord. Diligent disciples persevere. And diligent disciples make disciples. They pursue them. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I would call you this evening to be diligent. 
Stay focused. Be committed to the truth of the word of God. There's several young men in our church who God has given the burden to go into ministry. One, David, will just in a, a month or so. And I would remind you men as I remind myself often. Above all else, rightly divide the word of God. Stay focused. Don't be pulled this way or that. Stay straight. Stay focused. Be diligent. Be committed to the truth of the word of God. So I'd ask you this evening, have you become distracted? Have you become distracted? Maybe by politics, relationships, work, maybe something that's going on in your life. Have you become distracted? I would call you to come back. To be diligent. To refocus. Maybe you're, you haven't grown distracted. Maybe you're just growing weary. I would call you this evening to be encouraged be encouraged to keep on keeping on. Because the solid foundation of God still stands. And it will stand. Because it is Christ's. And the church which is Christ will not fail. And those who are Christ will not fall away. So be encouraged to keep on keeping Maybe it's just that the road ahead looks dark and looks foggy and you don't know what God is doing. You don't know where he's taking you. Let the word of God light your way. Let the word of God light your way. Let it lead you. Don't be pulled this way or that way. Stay focused. This is your guiding light. This is your lamp. This is the foundation on which you stand. Do not stray. Don't allow anything to sneak in and to grow like a cancer and take over. Fight for the truth. And so an action step for all of us, what to do, refocus. Get the Bible and spend some time in the Word of God this week. Refocus. Be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved. God. We're going to close with the song, Your Word is My Sufficiency.